Hey, before we start the show, I'd like to give a shout out to a very special sponsor of the Code Story podcast, and that's Dev Mountain. Dev Mountain is one of the highest rated coding schools in the country, employing experts who are passionate about sharing their craft and empowering the next wave of programmers. Through their bootcamp, they accelerate education by focusing on modern skills to align their students with the needs of the tech industry. They offer a variety of courses from web development to UX design to iOS development, and their hands-on approach enables students to launch their careers or build their startups and ultimately to achieve their goals. I can personally vouch for the quality developers they produce, having hired six graduates from their Dallas campus. Not only does Dev Mountain teach the practical skills needed to build software, they give their students a foundation to amplify the necessary creative thinking, problem solving, and project focused skills required for tech professionals today. You can find out more information about their programs and how to sign up at devmountain.com. That's D E V Mountain. Com. I grew up in a mobile home. Uh, I didn't have running water for part of that time. I had a, a dad who worked in a mine and, and really I, I just had no idea really about technology. So I was really fortunate growing up that my mom, you know, instilled this curiosity and this learning because that made a big difference to me in, in getting out of, I guess, that situation. You're, you're sitting at the foot of the mountain and there is a massive mountain to climb and you know that uh, you've got to break this thing down to even attempt approaching it. My name is Eric Sharp. I'm the co-founder and technology advisor for Degreed. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and on today's show, how Eric Sharp built a platform to enable business users to build skills and jailbreak the degree. All this and more on Code Story. Eric Sharp grew up with a unique background. With vivid memories of growing up in poverty, he recalls being distinctly inspired towards education when his mother went back to school to be a teacher. She instilled in him curiosity and a desire to learn, which made a big difference in changing his life trajectory. Using this passion, he and his co-founders were motivated to build the vision for a SaaS learning platform called Degreed, enabling learners and businesses to build the skills they need for the future. Tell me about Degreed. Tell me about what Degreed is before we started. Yeah, Degreed is a, a SaaS learning platform that enables uh, learners and businesses to build and measure the skills they need for the future. That's the kind of the, the tagline. It really offers a more holistic and accurate way to view a person, their skills, and their learning. We like to say if somebody asked you if you're physically fit and you answered that you ran a marathon in 1984, it's a terrible way to describe your, your fitness, uh, but that's what we've done for decades, uh, really, when it comes to education and learning, uh, where you reference a degree that you may have gotten decades ago, rather than the things that you're learning now or the skills that you've gained to this point in time. So we really provide that for really big companies across 
a lot of the Fortune 20 and and uh, many big companies have brought us in to to really change their learning culture and instill a learning focus and a, and this focus on skills versus just training or compliance training. How did you come up with that idea, and, and then how'd you get started? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, my co-founder is uh, David Blake, uh, and he has been in ed tech for for years, and and this was his dream and his vision. So, I, I take no credit from that. Uh, the, you know that side of it. He has been definitely a visionary, and and saw this need, uh, the need to really change the way the world looks at education and, and learning, and and uh, that's that was really motivating for me. So I, I got involved uh, early on and and met David. Then, then really since then, just building and, and uh, growing the company and trying to achieve this, this massive vision. You and David, starting to greed, stepping out, wanting to build this grand vision. Tell me about how you got started building it. Tell me about maybe the MVP or even how you started even approaching the tech. To be completely honest, that's what I love about technology. It's what I love about development is, is the creative part, right? Of sitting down to a blank slate, uh, you know, whether it's notepad back in the day, it was notepad and, and it was just empty. And then you could start and create something that's pretty amazing. So back when, when we jumped into Degreed, then the early MVP was really focused around uh, tracking formal courses from colleges because that was the degrees were what people recognize as education. And so we took that and said, hey, let's break it apart and make uh allow people to track and really see what's going on inside of a degree. I've always been kind of this balance between technology and business. And so I found a really healthy focus, even with a startup, right? To say, let's figure out the things for this MVP that are gonna really drive the business value. So we had a lot of early discussions around that and, and really chopped it off uh, just week after week. With the tech side of things, I, I spent about half my career in Java, half in, in .NET, C Sharp, and uh, most recently, you know, most recent half in C Sharp. So that's that's where we got started. We uh, we built it uh, with the back end of uh, you know C Sharp. We used ASP.NET MVC, uh, hosted on Azure, uh, which came into play because we got so many benefits as a startup to stick stick with Azure and build on that. We obviously used Visual Studio as our IDE and, and the front end. We Early on with the MVP, used jQuery, but then you know evolved it uh, using Angular uh, after that to to call our REST APIs and bring bring things back. When you're walking through, you know, building an MVP, those priorities translate to you know decisions that you have to make in the tech. What can we do now? What can we do later? Tell me about those decisions and trade offs that you had to make, kind of early on in the business. Like we can build this, but we can't build this, or we can build this, but in a very limited manner. Uh, do you run into anything like that? <laughs> yes, uh, all the time. Once you view the world as, uh, especially with a startup where, you know, time is limited, right? Uh, your days could be numbered if it, if it doesn't go well. Uh, so prioritization of your MVP and, and beyond becomes really critical. Uh, and like I said, for the focus on business value just led me to, to build uh, and have our team build these vertical slices of that value in the MVP. Uh, and again, we, we had really frank discussions about not being able to do everything. Really had great partners and, and David Blake is my co-founder and, and a few months after me, Kat Kennedy joined as a, a front end, uh, both design and engineer. And, and really that, that set us on a, a really good path to take 
take what we knew of the vision and what we were trying to pull off and build it. Uh, of course, that early on, we had to just balance this desire to be perfect <laughs> and let go of some of that, right? I think in on the development side, especially, you're there because you, you've got this great business idea or this vision that you're pushing forward, and that's what you should enable. I remember early on being at, uh, we went through Techstars in 2013, and I remember having discussions with Kat and another developer that had just recently started about the things we were building and, and whether the architecture needed to be perfect. Uh, we obviously decided, hey, we may not survive, let's build it you know, like we can here, this will be good enough. And I remember saying, well, if it becomes a problem when we scale, then it's a good problem to have, right? That means we're successful. Fast forward, actually, it's hilarious. Fast forward a few years and, and last year, we probably hit three or four of those where those words came back and I remembered because those exact problems that, that we had uh, last year we've, as we've gotten really successful uh, were the problems that we talked about you know, five years ago, but I still wouldn't do it any different. Uh, we, we focused on the business value and, and we tried to find that balance uh, between you know, good and perfect and, and it lasted us five years, which is uh, pretty amazing, I think, uh, in the startup process. One question that came to mind while you were talking was, how did you ensure that you were shipping quickly in the early days? So you're, you're going through the process of talking to your team, you figure out what's important, and you figure out, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect, so that helps you ship a little bit quicker because you look for the, the fastest way to bring value to the market. But what other processes or what other mental approaches did you take to making sure you were shipping fast? Yeah, early on, I think it's... Uh, maybe a little bit easier because you can you're you're working towards this vision and there is just so much right you're you're sitting at the foot of the mountain and there is a massive mountain to climb and you know that uh, you've got to break this thing down to even uh attempt uh approaching it right so uh we we did we we did th just that sitting down to that mvp the the vertical slices and then uh focusing on you know how do we break that down we know the stories we want to pull off this vision of the product uh, how can we how can we break those down to what is the the smallest value that really makes sense to deliver? And so early on we did that, and and we probably you know averaged weekly or, or biweekly releases, uh, getting you know deploying and getting it out there. Uh, and really we found you know obviously as as we got got things out there, started getting traction and feedback, then we'd iterate quickly on you know bugs and hotfixes if we needed to but uh, features as well and so in the early days especially I think just the the massive amount of progress um, came from really we had a you know small team um, all really pretty senior and be able to push forward uh, the the technology and product and and I really think that helped us building quickly in the early days uh, and set us up to succeed as we grew. So how has the product progressed and matured? Tell me about some of those things and how you how you work through them and how the product has progressed. Yeah, there's probably two sides to this, right? I think one is product from a feature base. Uh, we we started out, Degreed was directly to the learner. I mean, all the the consumer users and and saying let's let's uh, let them track. We'll aggregate the world's best learning, uh, like MOOCs and other things, right? That were exploding at the time, and let consumers get to those easily. Really, we we iterated enough uh, to find just an area right for disruption in the learning management system market, right? Uh, in enterprises that was all based on training and compliance, and and we came in had a, having already built a product that was focused on the learner, 
with a really good user experience that was, you know, really a joy to use and, and helpful and motivating. Uh, and then we, we saw this opportunity to take that to the, the enterprise, uh, which is exactly how the, you know, the next version of the product kind of matured. We, we added analytics, we added admin features to manage, to allow companies to manage that and to get, you know, really get data across the learning of, of their employees, but also allow those enterprises to, to sh- put up their wikis and SharePoints and training stuff for cataloging as well as the, the best of the, the world's learning. And so that's how the product has evolved. And now we even see as we get further, further down the road, it's a lot of the focus on learning and then building pathways to those to that learning has led us to, you know, skills and building real skills out of all of this learning. So it, it has, you know, been a, a constant evolution and a constant transition and, and been pretty exciting. On the technology side, I think, like I said, we, we tried to focus on good enough. We tried to, to make sure that we had uh, life to live uh, by making sure we didn't over-engineer. And that was really helpful. But really, aside from that, a lot of the architecture as a pattern has, has stood pretty well in, in the test of time. And, and it's allowed a lot of our engineers to focus on that value in the product and, and to the business. You know, how did you go about building your team? What did you look for in building your technology team? What sort of characteristics or skills or intangibles or tangibles? How did you pick the winning horses for your team? I mean, we're a little bit of a unique story because my co-founder was in San Francisco. Uh, so we were remote from the get-go. We weren't even in the same office. Uh, we would travel quite a bit back and forth, but uh, that remote working scenario worked for us. And, and as we you know, built from the network that I had here, uh, you know, it was really a pretty healthy focus on looking at, at the constraints and figuring out how do we do we really need to have an office? Do we need to bring people into the office every day? Uh, what do people value? And those early days, especially David and I and, and Kat as well, a lot of discussions around our culture. I believe uh, culture is really just the end result of the principles that you have in a company. And so you identify principles like empathy and flexibility and other things and and then make, make sure that, that everybody understands that, believes in it and how it feeds into your vision then people can use that in their decisions and their communication with each other. And then pretty soon their decisions and communication with clients. And then what happens is your culture, right? That's the output. That's a long story to say culture was the biggest focus and the biggest worry. Um, There are many, many brilliant engineers and, and fantastic people uh, that that uh, really have solid skills to to contribute. Uh, we were really really careful about you know hiring around the principles that we had. We wanted a diverse workforce. Even from the early days, we set out to make sure our our technology team was was uh, gender balanced, fifty fifty, um, which was really unheard of at the time. Uh, and fortunately, I mean, fast forward, and and now we're we're sitting around forty six, forty seven percent balanced, which is pretty awesome. You know, that focus, I think, and matching the culture. And I, I want to emphasize that's that's agreeing to these principles and to abide by them, right? It's not that everybody is the same. It's very much about diversity. But uh, we've what we found is that we've hired amazing engineers and testers and, and product uh, designers and managers that, that really are learnable, right? They want to learn. They're teachable. They can teach others. Uh, so we... Largely, as we've grown, I mean, we hired senior early on, and and that really set us up to 
get rid of red tape, we could scale and, and move fast. But it also put us in a situation where we had just a, a great batch of senior engineers and all of them felt like that everybody else was smarter than them on the team. There were just no egos. So uh, that's I, probably the other thing that, that really helped our success is we, I, I remember saying no um, to some brilliant engineers uh, just because of the ego uh, and what that would mean to our team. So, so how does the structure of your team align with your product development? Yeah, I, I mentioned that obviously business value is really important, and when we, that has always been a focus. Uh, so as we as we sat down to to a growing team, uh, we had to figure out how to structure it for to get the, the the work done. And at the time, the Spotify engineering approach was out there, and that, and we saw that and said, hey, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we thought it was a little bit too complicated with with all the different terms for teams and guilds and, and other things. So we we stepped back and said, hey, we're just gonna call them all teams. We're gonna have uh, cross-functional product teams that are based around these strategic initiatives. So if that's too businessy, it would be, it's really just the this business value that you're offering in your product, what's important and what's important to your, not just today, but what your vision is. And then we have that cross-functional team that includes a product manager to manage the roadmap of that area. Obviously designers, front-end, back-end, database developers, testers, all working together day by day by day. That's really where all the work was done. And then, so we ended up with, uh, you know, a team like that is just learner focused. That's what they did was that learner experience. And they focused on, on making sure that was the best that it could be. And then we had another team that was focused on enterprise uh, and building the admin and analytical tools that uh, or analytics tools that they, the admins needed. Uh, the, those product managers owned that roadmap. And then we, we built a different structure that was a people management structure as we got bigger so that uh, we could make sure that people were, it just really had this this uh, idea of their career path, this idea of learning and what skills are they picking up because we're a learning company. You know, we we give everybody a, a hundred bucks a month that we call it FlexEd, which is like a flexible spending account for education. They can use that to learn anything. Uh, it doesn't have to be job related. And that's that's something that they use and we try to plug into that with our managers to make sure people are learning and progressing because we believe that our culture should reflect what we hope our clients' cultures look like. Did the people management side branch across the value groups, the feature type groups? Yes, exactly. Especially early on where we didn't have, uh, we always tried to stay moderately flat, you know, as an organization. We would, we would have a, you know, a director of engineering that would, that would be over front end, back end developers, database developers that maybe spread across different initiatives, uh, which was, you know, it's, you, you pick your poison early on establishing kind of where you put those lines. And uh, I, I think overall, looking back, I think it was a positive uh, impact, but there's no question you kind of have to deal with the, you know, the downside to to that and, and maybe not having a manager that, that really is in the details of uh, the sprint to sprint uh, work. Did you build this to scale efficiently or were you fighting this as you grew? Kind of walk me through that journey and how you built it initially and then how you how you scaled it. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, I think um, you, you have to be smart in a startup to build in a way that uh, that allows your businesses to succeed, right? Uh, technology should should really enable the business and and not vice versa, right? Uh, so that that really set us on a track to 
know that there's a give and take. There's an ebb and flow to what what goes really well and is done properly and, and what may not be or, or may struggle a little bit. So really is scaling efficiently, I think in that that frame of mind is really about iteration. And, and uh, there's a big spectrum there of, of creating something that is really terrible and is not gonna last a week and creating somebody that, something that isn't as good as you want but lasts a few years, right? And I think that's really where we we landed. Uh, I will say, fortunately, we we hired fairly senior early on. That allowed us not only to avoid the red tape, but it also put enough experience. Just <laughs> you know, brought it to bear on building this product. So we we had all been through, you know, different terrible experiences with uh, bad quality or architecture and scale. And so we were able to bring that kind of in the, into that first that first version and as we built it. Uh, that being said, I think if you, if you end up um, designing it perfectly and, and allowing it to scale perfectly, I would argue with almost every startup, if you're doing that, there's a chance that it may never see the light of day, right? And that's, that's the most important thing to remember is uh, that's the balance and that's what you're choosing. Uh, so, I mean, we took that that effect, and I think if you dug into the details, right, I think the scale scale problems that we ran into were were not even um, just you know database or performance. It was also you know product scale. All of a sudden, we were dealing with you know where we had designed and planned around you know teams of twenty employees. We get to big businesses, and they have massive sixty to eighty thousand employees, right? So all of a sudden, the product doesn't obviously doesn't work well. Those are the, the things that we ran into that we had to step back and say, okay, how are we going to resolve this in an iterative way? We stayed away from rewrites. We said we knew most of the bones were good and we could complement that with refactoring and iterating over, over time to get where we wanted it to be. Um, so tell me this, what, what are you most proud of with Degreed? One of the, the biggest things, and I mentioned this is culture. I, I'm extremely proud of how we built the team fully remote and kept kept this this amazing culture uh, and and kept this real human element in the process to where uh, we really do have um, just great great team members that are, are helping each other but know each other well and and uh, and I think it helps that we we set out to say we're going to get together every quarter. Uh, the product technology teams, we're going to get together and make sure we have face-to-face -face and, and kind of the informal discussions and, and just getting to know each other and, and having fun. That has made a, a big difference. But as we've grown, I mean, you know, from two employees to, to now over 330 employees, right? I think that's uh, that's been, I think, the, the thing I'm most proud of is that we've stayed true to our vision and brought this culture along. You know, obviously, I think there's there's a lot that I'm proud of beyond that. I think uh, yeah, the, you know, just building from scratch and having it be this amazing product that gives value to so many people is is uh, just you know, something I am proud of. Tell me about a mistake that you and your team made and, and how did you respond to it? Success as a startup, um, part of it is understanding and putting in perspective failure and mistakes, right? I think you're setting out with with something that is risky, uh, it's silly to think about jumping into that and, and expecting everything to go perfectly. Uh, so we've had a lot of different things, whether it was, uh, you know, an infrastructure uh, issue causing the product not to not be available for a while, right? And then that kicks in other teams 
working with clients and keeping them informed and making sure that we were transparent about that, uh, which uh, I was surprised, especially the first time to have the clients come back around to just appreciate how well we dealt with it uh, versus trying to stick our head in the sand and ignore them uh, when, when it's down. Um, you know, another is we, as we, we had to grow up fairly quickly. We, we went from, you know, uh, our second or third enterprise customer was a massive financial institution with almost 300,000 employees, right? We went from a really small uh, client sizes to, to massive. And that just meant a whole different way to manage the roadmap and to, to manage uh, change management at the client and legal and risk and compliance and all these things that you never want to think about. Uh, so in that process, uh, we there there were a couple times where where in the planning the requirements of the feature and what we were doing they never got around to the client to have them really understand it which meant that when we deployed it they freaked out a bit uh, you know they were they were like wait a second this isn't what we expected this is not at all we've got to undo this quickly and and we've always tried to take that uh, we put ourselves in their shoes and and what they're doing and and trying to do at a big company it's important for us to to help them because they're our stakeholders and and we just we really try to, to again be transparent and and help them uh, you know understand we're working on it and we just tried to turn it around really quickly uh, again I think every client that we've gone through that with has, has really appreciated the responsiveness uh, and and really win a lot of reputation points there right that as you go um, that allow you to do bigger things uh, that that maybe propel your vision forward and the clients support that What's the future look like for Degreed and for your team? Well, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the team is, has grown so much now. It's probably product technology. It's probably about 100 or close to, close to that. We have, as we've grown that, that team structure, we've expanded and we, we create more, more teams. Obviously, a, a lot of teams that have a narrower focus, uh, which has really helped us pull off a lot of things and a lot of progress. All at the same time, I think in the coming you know months and years, there's definitely going to be a, a larger focus on you know the skills part of the business and making sure that there's a really clear connection between the learning that people are doing, their skills that they have, the you know maybe reviews that their managers and others are leaving for them, as well as you know more uh, solid assessments uh, around that to to then allow these clients to plug into the career path. And really cover their skill gaps, uh, which is pretty exciting. But it will, you know, require more growth, uh, you know, potential acquisitions and, and other things that that will get us there. Um, I definitely think there's there's going to be a, a big focus as we continue to grow fast on the culture uh, and making sure that we keep that intact. But you know, setting it up to to scale well, uh, we every time we hire an engineer, we make sure that they have a mentor. And they have uh, a mentor that's been at Degreed and understands the culture and understands where do I go to communicate this or ask this question. And that has been huge, I think, in maintaining that culture. And we continue to do that as, as we hire, even as fast as we hire, we make sure that people have somebody to talk to about not just the, the code or the architecture, but also their, their job and their family. And that has helped kind of weld this together. Uh, so I anticipate, obviously, the faster you go, you grow the the harder it is to make sure you keep the wheels on the bus like that and that's where uh, our our focus will be 
So name an architect, a CTO, tech person, entrepreneur, um, any person that you look up to and why. The, the people I admire are kind of in two camps. I think one is, is those who have been really successful, um, but with the success have brought, brought change and impact in the world, right? I think uh, Bill Gates is one I pull out and, and say, you know what, there's a lot of directions he could have gone with being so successful and, and the way he's gone with uh, improving the world is amazing. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, I hope that that's what I can do is do good in the world. And so I really look up to that. You know, being in in and talking to a lot of different startups, I enjoy, it, you know, s seeing their perspectives and, and what they're doing and how they're going through that this struggle. I think once you go through a startup, then uh, there's there are certain things when you talk to another founder that are implied around battle scars and uh, terrifying fundraising and, and fundraising that maybe didn't happen when it should have, right? Uh, those, those are things that I, I look at. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently or consider taking another approach on? Yeah, I, I think like uh, mistakes, this list is pretty long, right? Or can be long. I think uh, there's always a give and take with all the decisions we've made along the way. So there's always the, whenever that question's asked, then I quickly go to a couple of things and then I think, well, would I really want that to change? Because it meant, you know, I'd probably take a different problem uh, instead of the, the one we got and were able to solve. Um, but I think I think early on, our, our flat structure was really helpful and critical, I think, for autonomy and, and pushing forward the business. Uh, I think where, you know, as we, as we grew, I think really just the last year or two, as we've hired so much, uh, it becomes a little more tricky to ensure standards and, and just making sure that people are, are doing things in, in a, this, the same way or a similar way, right? Leveraging the same frameworks and, and looking at it the same way so that you don't create more problems with people trying to reinvent the wheel, right? And that's, that's probably the biggest thing. I think we probably should have, uh, you know, a year or two earlier set up a really strong structure around, you know, tech leads and, and architecture. I, we were fortunate, like I said, we hired senior and we had uh, probably 12 to 15 that have been kind of head of head of head architects or lead architects at, at companies before. So that's really amazing. Uh, but you still have the the decisions that have to be made, right? There's some, at some point, there's somebody that's got to understand the problem, be able to say, this is the way we need to go. Uh, and we have so many great people that, that, that uh, there was the worry that somebody wouldn't just say, let's do this then, right? So I think that's probably one thing I'd go back to and say, you know, I wish I probably would have done that, that differently, uh, just to allow us to uh, scale a little bit better uh, as, we, as we've gone on. So, so you, you meet someone on a plane and they tell you they are a startup CTO building their dream. What advice would you give them just getting started? Founders, when they talk to each other, know about battle scars. When you talk to somebody that hasn't been there, uh, then, then it's tricky to help them understand what that is. And to be honest, if I were to ask somebody before I started to read that question, I'm glad nobody told me exactly how hard it might be, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a chance I wouldn't have done it. Uh, but I, I will say, I think, I think building, building a startup is one of the most amazing things you'll do. Uh, at the end of the day, 
it, it is, has been in my life one of the best experiences aside from my family that, that, uh, that I've had. Uh, both exciting and, and uh, terrifying and, and, you know, proud and, and successful, but regret some things like that. It really just is a big mix. And so I would say, you know, it's a lot of work, but, you know, work hard, focus on the right things. And, and for a tech leader, especially, I think the big thing is, is focus on technology enabling the business. Uh, don't don't get in the the classic kind of engineering hole of saying I'm good you know what matters is the technology and so I love this stack and I'm gonna nurture this stack and this is the new thing that came out so I'm gonna use that and you don't have if you don't have any business value justification for it maybe you should shelve it until a little later in the process right uh, and then second I think I've mentioned this as well just focus on culture early identify those principles, make sure they're part of your interview process, your one-on-one -on -one process, uh, it's conversations in your team meetings that you use those as you make decisions to both support your decision, but help other people understand how they can make their decisions. Those are two things I'd say, you know, critical in, in a startup tech co-founder jumping into that journey. Well, Eric, thank you for your time and uh, for being on the Code Story podcast. I really appreciate you being here. You bet. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart, co-produced and edited by George Macharco. Special thanks to Deanna Chapman and Stephanie Campisi for their promotional support. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Breaker, or the podcasting app of your choice. Make sure to check us out at codestory.co or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn.